0: Welcome to the People First podcast. And this afternoon, which is the time I'm recording this, we have the wonderful Davinia Jean with us. Now she is a singer and songwriter. She's 19, but before I ruin the intro, before I tell you all of her little secrets, I want Davinia to say hello and introduce herself. So over to you, Davinia, how you going?
1: I'm well, thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, Thanks so much for having me on the People First podcast. I'm very excited.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm excited to hear your story. Now, I have spoken to your manager, aka Mother, (laughs) and she is two in one. And she has told me all about you. And I'm super excited to get into the nitty gritty and the details. But for the people that don't know you, tell me a little bit about you.
1: Well, um, as you said, I'm a singer-songwriter. I usually say musician and songwriter because there's an idea that's associated with singer-songwriters, uh. um, which is a bit of a shame. But anyway, um, so I'm a musician and songwriter. I play the guitar. I do live looping for a lot of my gigs. I'm kind of all around the area. I go to the Hawkesbury, up the mountains, around Penrith. I'm going down to Middigong in December. Wow,
0: that's a, a bit need of a passport, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: well, to be fair, I drove up to um, Taree, a 45-minute live oh, stream, wow. um, which was a little bit crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Um, actually, I have a story about that. That was a bit insane. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, getting into music. Well, I've been in music for a while, but I'm getting into doing it more often and more professionally after I graduated school, uh-huh. um, so every weekend, which is really exciting. It's a bit of a break from what I do each um, each day. I'm nine-to-five marketing manager. Um I guess not a huge jump away from the creative side, but um, it's an office job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So it's nice to have a creative outlet of a weekend yep. to be doing that.
0: Now, you've said you've been doing this for a while, but how long exactly? How long have you been uh, interested in music or at least performing music?
1: Well, I started off dancing and I still love dancing, but um, so I started when I was about five. Mm-hmm. Um, Because my mum was a ballerina for 12 years. I don't know if she's told you
0: that. No, she hasn't. But now I will use it against her and to (laughs) make her maybe do interpretive or at least ballet during my um, rest periods in the gym. You should. (laughs) You
1: absolutely should. Um, So, yeah. So, she was a dancer and I started when I was five um, and was doing that for a long time. So, I've always kind of loved music and um, listened to music and been around music. Um, My dad's a whistler. He loves to whistle. He doesn't sing very much, but he whistles and he, it's really beautiful. It's like a bird. Um, So yeah, I've always kind of been around music, but I started singing, properly, having lessons when I was 11, Mm -hmm. I believe.
0: So when you're 11 and you start off um, singing, right? So is that something that you've sort of done to, like before that, surely you were just sort of singing around the house and, and doing it and. When do you know that it's something that you want to invest time in?
1: It's, it's really interesting because most people say that they were singing before they spoke, but I just really loved dancing. But mm. I kind of mouth along to the words and I'd sing around the house. And um, my, my, mum, my mum always took me to concerts as well. Um, so we were always kind of around live music. And yep. I really admired everyone that got up and sang. I loved karaoke because um, it was just so much fun. So it wasn't, I guess, so much that that's, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. It was more, this is so much fun. Yeah. I love performing. I love being on stage in front of people. And that was another outlet for that. And then it became my primary one.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. And sort of at 11, what was the avenue? What did it look like? Who, did you go to a coach? Did you? What did you do there from that sort of age?
1: Um, so Miss Alita Johnson was a standalone singing teacher um, in Richmond.
0: Yes, I think uh, I think I know of another friend who used to be taught by her. Really? Mm. Oh,
1: wow. Small world. Yep. Um, there's a few around here. Mm. So I used to go to her and I started off there because she started teaching my nan how to sing, so it was a oh, wow. family business. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she knew me since before I was born and when I started going to her, she always asked me how my nan was and... Um, <laughs> So I started off with her and unfortunately she passed away three years ago, I believe now. Um, And there was a period of time, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later, but there was a period of time where I stopped singing completely because I I guess I felt guilty Mm. um, without her around. Um, But yeah, so I did start going to a coach and... I, as I started to get better, I was getting more confident and I was really enjoying it. And I wanted to get out into the world. And I've always had a really, really tight support network in the Hawkesbury as well. And with um, different businesses in the Hawkesbury who had me at their events, which Mm -hmm. was really lovely of them. That really kickstarted, I guess, doing this more professionally.
0: Yeah. And when did you realize that you could actually sing? Because I feel like um, if you're learning to sing, you might not feel confident right Mm -hmm. and like you were saying you build your confidence up and whatnot when did you sort of go ah yep okay there's the average then there's the then there's the rest of us like there are just above average that can sing because I cannot seem to (laughs) save my life I mean you know what it sounds okay in my head but when I hear it back it it ain't any it's all off it's even my talking voice ain't that great but (laughs) but singing voice definitely not so when did you realize that you're like you know what I probably got something key that most people don't have
1: um That's a really good question because I remember in year four, um, it was my last year at my first primary school because I moved primary schools and we had a talent show and my best friend at the time, Ainsley, got up and sang an Adele song, Rolling in the Deep. Oh, wow. And I loved that song. It's a great song. Yeah, absolutely. Big song though. Big song for
0: a... I've sung it in the shower. (laughs) I've sung it in the shower. Oh, yeah? And uh, let me tell you, it's hard to sing. I'm
1: sure you nailed it though. I'm sure you (laughs) nailed it um so she got up and sang that and i was like wow i'll never sing as well as ainsley can and um so for a lot of my life i guess singing it was always i'll never sing as well as yeah okay and i was comparing myself and I, i think um that that only recently stopped actually and i started going um maybe i'll never sound like them but i can sound like me instead yeah what
0: a beautiful concept yeah, it yep. was
1: it, that was huge because I started being able to be happy for other people. Yes. Um so that was that was a really big change for me, really big shift.
0: I mean, so you're young now, right? You're 19, right? Yeah. But do you find and just speaking of that, so you said you could be happy for other people. Do you find in this industry that it's quite um there's an undertone of I'm better than you, get out of my way, or do you not surround yourself with that? Like because I feel like, especially if you were talking, you know, mega superstars, there'd be a lot of internal mm. politics, you know, you know them, they know me, I'm better than, all that sort of stuff going on. Very negative. I feel like it would be a negative vibe. I mean, I, I don't think you have to surround yourself with that, but do you see it? Have you experienced it?
1: Um I I don't think I've experienced it to my face anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know what goes behind. But I don't think I've necessarily experienced that. Um, as you said, I've surrounded myself with people who are really supportive. Yeah. And I've ha- always had a really um, really tight support network um, within the areas that I'm performing and also, um, I have the advantage of being a young girl. So people, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting out of that now. Mm. I'm not, not so cute anymore. I have to <laughs> actually be good. Um, but when I was younger, you, you know, you look at the young girl and you're like, oh, that's really awesome that she's gotten up and done that. Yeah, I know what you mean. So I've not, I've not necessarily experienced that um, to how other people may have. But yeah, I've always, I've always surrounded myself with people who are really supportive and um, really happy with what's going on and I'm, I'm really happy for everyone else as well now.
0: So. Yeah, I think yeah. that's important. I think no matter what you do, when you're good at something, oh, when you're good at something, you must either A, find your style mm. or B, um, do your best to be happy for people even though, um, you know, I guess sometimes the industry might push you to not be like that. Mm. Um, now, your style, what would you describe it as?
1: Um, it took me a long time to come up with an actual phrase, like a little bit of an elevator pitch. Yeah. Um, but I'm a live looping musician and songwriter, um, and I have a folky, jazzy um, kind of style, kind of sound. So I. I dabble into a little bit of Australian country because I really love the Waifs and yep. John Butler.
0: Yep. Oh wow. Yeah, I know love John Butler. I've seen him three times live. Oh, me too. In, waited in the rain, first position in the uh, in the line for three hours. I think oh, it was at the Horton. Dear. I was pretty committed to to seeing John Butler, and uh, he's fed, amazing. Oh, I can't believe it. Incredible. I can't believe the the way he plays guitar and sings at the same time. I'm like, whoa, that is. He's he's mesmerizing.
1: A master. It, it blows my mind, his, his oh, level and, of and passion. And not to mention
0: his passion for the environment, and oh. his passion for politics. I mean, all that mm. stuff is through the roof. And I think, you know, I've got to stop hearing this thing. <laughs> I think as a musician um, in general, when you get to a certain level, you I mean, people are listening to you mm. and your words matter, right? And the things that you sing about matter because that's the way we, we influence, we tell stories. It's, we've done it for generations upon generations. You know, Through song, we communicate. And so, if you're singing about, oh, don't even get me started on some of the songs at the moment. Like, there's one specific I'm thinking about, and it is not a song. It's just, it's <laughs> it's pornographic in the song. But at the same time, I think at, as a musician, you have to have a message sometimes. And if you listen to a lot of John Butler's songs, you know, like, especially from five, ten years ago, so many of them have a political message in that respect of, you know, look after your environment, you know, you have to care about the place you live in. Um, and if you, you, you've you got 30 songs you've written yourself, right? Yeah. Which brings me to my question is that when you write songs, is there something that you're thinking about or is it just generally how you're feeling in the moment?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think it it kind of changes depending on what I'm writing. So um, I boiled it down to there's... I mean, there's more styles of songwriting, obviously, but I've found myself sitting into either, two, either of two categories. Um, there's know the really personal songs where you're writing about yourself um but i actually i don't do that very often Mm -hmm. i i've always really enjoyed creative writing and writing stories and um, i find people so fascinating And it's I a good podcast to me. On then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> people first. Um, I love, I love watching people in the street and trying to work out where they're going, um, what they do for a living, exactly. who they're going to see. It's just so much fun because people, you can never, exp- you can never pick it. Nope. Um, so what I, a lot of my songs are actually not necessarily about me. Um, they're you know different stories I'm trying to tell, different situations that I've not necessarily gone through, so I can't really. Um, say exactly how it would be like, but in my mind, how I picture that being, how I picture mm. that person feeling, and um, what's going on in their head, how they feel, and that's what comes out.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, and do you have a favourite song? Like, you've got – like, it's hard. I think, you know, if you have, like, 30 kids, I mean, uh- if I asked you, do you have 30 – because you put a lot of time and effort into writing yeah. those songs, and so they all become very personal to you. Mm-hmm. But if there was – is there one song that you find absolutely, like, this is my favourite song I've ever written, Ooh. and I or even – so I, I would assume that maybe the one you've written could be very different to your favourite song to perform because it could be very yeah. different, right? What's your favourite song you've written and what's a, the favourite song you love to perform?
1: Um, I, I like a lot of my songs for different reasons in terms of, um, you know, a couple of those more personal songs that I've written are really cathartic to play and to write. Some of them I don't perform Um, Because they're just nice to have, and whenever I'm feeling down, I just play them, and it's just like it's like screaming into a pillow, you know what I mean? But it's it's for you, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But probably the one I most enjoy um, performing, and also it means a lot to me, is the one I'll actually play um, today. It's called Money and Men, and it was it's inspired by um, both of my grandfathers, who have both passed away now, um, and. They've influenced it different ways. Um, Poppy B um, died of suicide about 10 years ago. or 10 years ago this year, actually, I believe. Um, And so he wrote notes to all of his family. And so it's in the form of a letter. Um, The song is in the form of a letter. But my other grandfather, Pa, um, influenced it in the way of... um, He passed away of cancer last year. And we had a few goodbye scares and one of these scares was um, all of us were called into the room and he spoke to each of us individually about what he wanted to say to us and everything he said boiled down to two things. It was either about money or it was about men. And um, so this song is a letter um, and it's about these two things and what he learned about um, while he was alive and wow. kind of passing on that wisdom. I always have to explain that because it's not just me, like my 19-year-old brain putting all of this um, yeah, no. supposed wisdom out. It's what my grandfathers kind of said to their family.
0: It's funny that people sometimes think that wisdom is related to age, but it's not. Wisdom is different to that, you know? Like I know plenty of people in their teens who are more wise than people who are in their 50s. Yeah. So the fact that you can even articulate and comprehend everything that was told to you and then put it into the form of a song and communicate it is wisdom. So you've got it yourself. So although you're like, oh, it's not my wisdom; it's other people's. It's exactly yours because it's your interpretation of those mm-hmm. those messages. Um, I mean, how hard is it for you to perform that song? For, for me, I just feel like if I was to perform a song like that, I just wouldn't be able to do it.
1: Yeah. Um, there's been a couple of times on. I had I had a gig on the anniversary of mm. um, one of one of them passing away, and. That was pretty. That was pretty hard. And the other one's coming up, and I have another gig on that night as well. And I'm gonna have to perform this song. Um, so that that probably makes it difficult because I'm already in that Emotional. headspace thinking about yeah. it. But there's some there's some days where you can just kind of take a step back and sing it without the raw emotion in it. Yep. Um, and I mean, it's always more enjoyable for everyone to really feel the song and to be in it. But sometimes you just don't have it in you. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, for well, sure. for example, when Adele sings some of her songs, you you've seen that she cries, yeah, on stage just because it's so it's so emotional and you can get so caught up in that song.
0: I think if you've ever experienced the, the benefits of sound, I mean, that's why there's sound therapy, right? There's mm-hmm. certain types of frequencies that you, people can project that have this deep, penetrating vibration that can just resonate through our entire body. And if there is power in your words like that, that will do that to each person listening. But then I can't imagine what that would do for the person performing that that type of resonating vibrational stuff on the inside for you and for other performers. I've always wanted that because I've, have you ever like you get goosebumps right as a, as a listener? But what's happening to you as you're singing it? Is that the same thing? What what type of what type of experience is it to to do that for someone who can project that type of emotion?
1: Um, in in those heavier emotions. I guess the best way I can describe is like a heaviness yeah. um, and kind of grounding grounding yourself and um, just, it, it <sighs> oh, this is, my, I did drama in high school and I'm going to try and explain it in this way, um, is my drama teacher spoke to us about when we're doing our monologues and we're um, we're acting for our, our final exams, you have to take yourself out of that situation and forget that there's people in front of you and just be fully present in the scene, mm. and um, he called it a flow state. Yeah, and that's probably the best way I can describe um, because it's it's kind of like you come out of reality, and if you close your eyes, you forget that anyone's there, and you're literally just singing, and you're just pouring your soul out. Yep. and in those more emotional songs, um, that's that's kind of what's happening. And and sometimes I even forget that it's my own song. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's just like this raw emotion.
0: Wow. That's a good way of describing it. I, I and I think we've all experienced the flow state, right? And mm. it's, it also means when everything in our life is matching that our passion matches with our performances. And that's, it's this beautiful moment where we can just flow. Um, that's a really good way of describing it. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is some of your accomplishments. I mean, at the moment from, as I said, your manager wrote to me before, <laughs> but you You've got a scholarship through the Conservatorium of Music, is that correct?
1: Yes, the Penrith Conservatorium of Music at Joan Sutherland. What does that
0: entail? How do you get that? What does that mean for you?
1: Um, So that's an audition process Mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, you sing two contrasting songs um, and they're not necessarily looking at how good you are, but where um, you can go, what potential they see in you. Mm -hmm. So I've had um, a scholarship two times now um the first one was the emerging talent um so obviously they that was that's what brought me back into singing lessons so I wasn't having singing lessons after Miss Alita passed away and um, my mum kind of pushed me to be like why don't you go for this and see what happens
0: so you would have been 16 when she passed away is that correct if you're 19 Um, now it was three years ago
1: so I was oh it's been longer Wow, that's gone really quickly. Longer than three, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I think she passed away when I was 14 and okay. then it went two years where I wasn't singing. Yep. And then um, the scholarship around the 16, 17 mark. Yeah, wow, yeah. that's gone so quickly. Quick, Wow.
0: Life and time flies.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, so um, that was really hard because I, I lost obviously so much technique um in those two years but also I lost a fair bit of passion because I wasn't I wasn't really singing I picked up the ukulele so I was doing um I was I was trying to be more um versatile my mum had put me into keyboard lessons and guitar lessons when I was younger but none of it ever stuck yeah um and so I went into the ukulele and eventually came back into the guitar and I really enjoy it now but so I'd picked up something but I was kind of focused on school and I was trying to not think about singing and because every time I performed, I, was, I could hear her voice and I was like, you know, it's why am I doing this if she's not here? Yep. And I never wanted to go to another singing teacher because I felt like I would be betraying her. I'm getting a bit emotional now, actually. It, I'm, still, I'm still not really over that. No, I think, um, uh,
0: I think every person's you know, passing leaves a, a mark on our, I mean, our body remembers and it keeps score. Mm-hmm. Um, just retelling it will, will leave an emotional state for you.
1: Yeah, she um, she yeah, she meant a lot to me. Not just as a singing teacher, but um, I guess bringing me into performing and teaching me um the proper ways. <laughs> she was very proper. She yeah. was this tiny little from, dot.
0: From what I've heard of her, and I've heard some <laughs> beautiful things. She was. She knew what she wanted from you, Absolutely. and she let you know. And she told you exactly what she thought, which is a beautiful characteristic. <laughs>
1: she. <laughs> Such a funny story, um, it was really hard at the time, but it's really funny to me now because yep. it's just a mis all over because um, she w- she as you said she told her how it was yep. and she um, about three weeks before she passed away, she was on her deathbed and she w- um, I had just won a competition, and I showed her the performance <laughs> sorry uh, and she looked at me and said, "Six years, and I still haven't taught you how to sing." <laughs>
0: she's like yep you won but i don't know how because i haven't taught you anything yet
1: she was like you won but i it doesn't matter because what is this um no that was
0: i mean i think that's a sign of a good teacher i think people who like so to speak piss in your pocket is never going to give you anything in life i think people are very like yeah that's amazing good job uh for the people that gave you that recommendation but what i want to see is the next level because i know you can do it and here's how we're going to accomplish that right think that's the sign of a good coach that's the sign of a good teacher not always like oh good job pat on the back move on you, you know you feel good about yourself now oh you've accomplished whatever you need to a coach will push you and drive you and challenge you and i think that is what a coach should do
1: absolutely and she was so committed to that job she'd she was 80 something and she drove down putty road wow. to richmond um like an hour or so um and at one point, because she had breast cancer and she lost movement in her left arm, and she drove a manual, oh. so she rested the arm on um, the wheel and would reach over with her right arm to change Ow. the gears. See. And she would sleep in the tiny studio overnight, so she needed to drive back. She was committed to her yeah. students. She loved us so much.
0: Wow, um, what a person! Yeah, I absolutely.
1: Love that stuff. So she she obviously meant a lot to me and to everyone she influenced and um her passing was really really heavy and um so I I never I I I couldn't see myself going into with another person um into that kind of relationship I guess um of the mentor and all that but I um I went for that scholarship and I have a beautiful singing teacher (coughs) sorry I have a beautiful singing teacher now Miss Terry Everard um, she's lovely mm-hmm. and she's done wonders for my voice in the past few years as well um and she she I, I guess what i needed was someone who isn't miss alida and she didn't even know her she's not trying to be her mm-hmm. she's her own person and she has her own style and she's teaching me different things Yep. um and yeah it's been it's been a really fun ride it's been very good
0: yeah beautiful and so what do you get from that scholarship so you've you've won that scholarship what is that and what do you get from that
2: well for
1: a year um i they help pay for my lessons Mm -hmm. which is a a wonderful initiative because there's so many people i know who um would love to get uh well there's different scholarships not just singing it's piano there's guitar there's all different ones yeah um and you know music lessons are really expensive music lessons are really expensive um for a lot of people and it's not necessarily an essential thing, but it's it's something that can really help a child's growth and oh. um, how they connect with the world and interact with other people. And
0: I can't agree more. We have a, thro- a four-year-old now; she's turned four, mm-hmm. and naturally, she runs around the house singing and dancing. Yeah, like that. No one taught her that. No, that's an expression. You know, she expresses herself when she's happy. She dances and sings. When she's not happy, she doesn't. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's a beautiful thing, I think, if it, it can help a child uh, and a person um, grow and it can help them release this you know, this human shell that we, we carry around and we can exceed that, like we can go outside that and we can go as far as we want. And I think that's a really powerful thing and I, and I love to see it in people naturally. I mean, like I said, I sing and I can't. <laughs> and it's not because I don't – it's not a performing thing, it's an expression. Right? Oh, Absolutely. And I like to see kids do that and I like to see it bringing out the immersed in people and it's really cool to see that. And Quinn does that. She sings Frozen 99% of the time. Oh, yeah. It's always something to do with Frozen. <laughs> uh, but sometimes she sings other songs. There's a few the songs she sings.
1: Oh, that's so sweet.
0: Yeah, just, you know, what? Now, challenges. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the passing of your singing teacher was a massive challenge for you. Yeah. Are there any other challenges that you've experienced? Um, you know, that, Anything that you can think of that would you would consider or you do consider to be a challenge in your last amount of singing years
1: or or life
0: in general, right? It doesn't have to be about the one thing.
1: Well, it was never necessarily about stage fright because I love – performing i love being on stage i love performing with other people i love performing with myself i love public speaking which is really weird to say around people sometimes they look at me like isn't that one of the what? biggest
0: fears of the world public speaking and then death like it's number yeah. one is people would rather die than, than speak in public to a, to a group of people
1: yeah no i love it yeah. um as long as i can be prepared, prepared.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the thing i think the more prepared you are the more confident you should be yeah
1: um so that was never a huge issue for me but there was a point and a lot of it is I guess internal um, and while I was still comparing myself that was really hard but there was a point um, probably last year and the year before where I always felt good but not good enough if that makes sense. So I would um, I would get into the next round of something but then not get into the final thing or I would um, – uh, I would – a good example – I mean, it's really minor on the scale of life but it felt really huge because for my, um, for my HSC, I graduated last, last year from high school and for my HSC, I did music and drama and I didn't have any ATAR goals. Um, that wasn't really what bothered me. I wanted to be nominated for encore and for onstage, which are the two um, things for music and drama – where the best performances in the state get nominated and the um, a few were chosen to be performed the next year in front of people. Oh, wow. um, that's like the, the cream of the crop of the um, performances. And I was kind of being built up a little bit by my school saying that, oh, you're, um, you're doing really well in this. like um, There was some hints dropped that maybe it's nomination worthy. Um, and I really latched onto that mm. and when the nominations didn't come through, I was really devastated for a yeah. few weeks and that was really hard because it was like, um, I got full marks for all my performances, not to brag, <laughs> um, but I, I, <laughs> I don't know, if you do
0: well on things, you should brag. I hate when people think people shouldn't brag. <laughs> I mean, if you're good, you're good. Tell people.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just really proud of that because I worked really hard for exactly. those performances. Um, so I got full marks for all of them, but I didn't get nominated. Mm. So it was like, well, I'm good. And I've never, I, I haven't necessarily doubted um, my abilities, but it's like I'm not, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be the one. Um, I'm I'm never going to get the lead role in this or do that, do this, do that, yada, yada, yada. And, um, and that's just kind of, I guess, fed in from different things um, about like appearance and all of that that have affected me throughout my life. But I've gotten over that now which is really interesting because i started i realized like i may not be right for that but i'm right for something else Mm -hmm. and when i started making my own opportunities um you know emailing different venues um reaching out to markets to play at markets and um putting in applications for events rather than being like well someone will find me Mm. So once I, I guess, I started taking control over my situation, realising, well, I, you know, I can't control my experiences, but I can take control of how I react.
0: 100%.
1: And once I started making my own opportunities, I started having opportunities, funnily enough.
0: Hmm. I think it's funny how people uh, assume that, you know, that they sit back and and wait for the the universe to find them. And And I guess in some cases that may be very true for Man, I couldn't even tell you who. But if you think about all the people in the world who have been successful, what have they all got? Tenacity, grit, you know, determination, discipline. Absolutely. And if you're not prepared to show and execute on those things, and you're prepared to make your own opportunity, mm. you'll be forever. What if, right? What if I'd actually got up, and what if I'd put applications in? What if, what if I'd put myself out there more? So for you to do that at such a young age, you've got another fifty years, yeah. sixty years of doing that, and that, and that's the truth of it. Like. There's a guy that I subscribe to a lot of his great information guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not sure if you're aware of yes, him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you play the long game in life, mm. you know, and he's really big on like music and helping people get, you know, recognized. And if you're not creating every day, if you're not performing in some capacity every day, then, you know, you're holding yourself back. Mm. Um, and that's creating opportunity, you know, creating content. Now, if you have a, do you have a YouTube channel?
1: i do i need awesome. to get a bit better at posting on my youtube what
0: would gary V say he would say every day Divina, every day you post on there and you just grab the guitar you grab a setup like this mm-hmm. and you go for it and you do that every single day justin bieber how did he get oh, figured out yeah boom exactly. so first person that I can, and i don't even know how everyone's figured out but i knew that's how they f- found justin bieber not that i say you want to be a justin bieber but at the same time he put himself in that position yeah you know? everyone's like oh they, they bag on him but he, he did the work and he's doing the work and continues to do the work mm. And so when I listen to what you say about that and creating your opportunity, it's a great reminder for those who are listening to if you've got passion in something, if there's something out there that you want and you don't work on it every day, there's a good chance you'll never get it. So you have to be working on it every single day. This world is competitive. It is only rewarding those who put forth effort and discipline. And if you don't put those things forward, then what, what else could you expect apart from maybe not making it, right? Mm. Now, what's one thing you've learned from doing that? Like... What's the, what's the biggest piece of advice you can give from you experiencing not doing that to doing that now and seeing the potential from it?
3: Um,
1: it's quite cliche. People say it all the time, but so many no's come through and it's not necessarily a reflection of talent or ability or um, anything else. It's, it's not a personal thing. It's, um, a, I, I mean, I've emailed probably 300 venues now in the past um six months uh of a a night just sending through emails whatever i can um trying to get a gig there and so many no's come through or there's no response at all but i've had about 10 let's say um people say yes Mm. and that's 10 more than i would have had
0: law of averages right the more you ask the more yeses you'll eventually get exactly and
1: there's been so many no's but a lot of those no's are um, we don't have the space for a musician or, um, you know, COVID means that we can't have a live musician in our space. Um, so it's, I've, I've really learned by doing that, not to take things personally. It's not, well, if I was good enough, they'd want me. It's no, yep. they, they literally can't, they don't owe me anything.
0: <laughs> and if it's not right now, does it mean, so this is a good quote actually used in my last podcast that we filmed in and I wanted to say it again. Um, what is delayed is not necessarily denied. Such a I good like thing, that. right? It, just because it's delayed for now mm. does not mean you are denied forever. So yeah. if you get a no now, right, I'm I'm, de- I'm delaying it, right? I'm like going, okay, well, no, not right now. Mm. That doesn't mean that that not right now won't turn into a, yeah, today's a great day. Come on in. Let's have a, have a chat. Let's have an interview. Let's figure out what we're going to do. And so if you can get a bunch of no's and – Again, a Gary V thing, right? He says, those who don't hear the cheers and who don't hear the bu- the boos generally win, right? So it's not, you're not doing it for the cheer. You're not doing it and you're not not doing it because you're getting booed, right? You're doing it because it's what you are here to do. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful, right? So the know that you're delayed, Okay, like I'm delayed in the other 200 that I, or 290 emails I haven't heard back from, or if I have, maybe it was a no for now, that does not mean that in a year's time or a month's time, I can't approach all 300 or 290 again. Yeah. And I think anyone listening that doesn't see that, they're setting us up for failure. Like any young musician out there that thinks that, you know, someone didn't like me. Well, that's one person's ears. Mm. How many people are out there? There's seven, well, not everyone can employ musicians, seven billion people can't do it, but, mm. a, but a large percentage of that here in Australia, 25 million or whatever it is, mm-hmm. can do that. I mean, it's something that we can do. And if you just say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I've had too many no's. It's not, it was never what you were passionate about, I don't think, you know? Yeah. Inspirations.
1: Inspirations, right.
0: Hit me with them. Who inspires you? I mean, obviously, you've been inspired by somebody along the line. Mm-hmm. Adele sounds like a bit of an inspiration for you.
1: I used to love Adele yeah. very, very much very very much um john butler john butler definitely (laughs) the waifs yep certainly um i i have a few musicians that i'm really inspired by especially the moment um (laughs) this (laughs) this really shows my 19 year old girl but um (laughs) harry styles (laughs) as a musician and him just um i guess because he's been... He, obviously, he, they get a lot of hate, the One Direction boys. And I he was one of the people who... The best
0: example for you when you oh, finish Oh, Go. I'm
1: excited. Um, I was one of those people who never listened to One Direction because I was not like the other girls and I didn't want to be like the other girls and I didn't wear pink and yeah. I didn't like boys. Yep. Um, and so I very much um, hated on anyone who even mentioned the band. Yeah. But... I started listening to Harry Styles' music and, I mean, all the other boys are creating great music as well, but... Um,
0: he's just doing it, I know.
1: He's just doing his own thing and yeah. he's, so, he's just being so true to himself and what he wants to create and you can see all of his influences and he's really breaking the boundaries of um, what... Well, he's also fitting the boundaries, is the thing. He's just doing what he likes mm. and I'm really inspired by that and I really love that. Um, definitely also, um, I always... I, I'm never sure how it's supposed to be said, but Hosier. Uh, Hosier, yep, I think that's Hosier, right. yeah. yeah. Hosier. Um, I love his music so much. Um, everything he creates. His lyrics are masterful. Mm. Um, and he, he's a, he is a lyricist especially, really inspires me. I think he's written some of the most romantic songs. Yep. Um, and it's about... <laughs> One of my favourite songs of his is about um, being pulled out of a bog. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, but it's, he makes it so beautiful.
2: Yeah. And there's another powerful, one. Right? Yeah.
1: There's another one. Um, it's called In A Week. It's called In A Week. And it's a duet. And they're decomposing together. Oh, wow. Right, in the woods. But it's beautiful. It's wow. so beautiful. I'm going
0: to have to listen to these.
1: Please do. Please do. Because my
0: story about the Harry Styles thing is like, okay – what, what year were you born? Ninety two thousand and
1: 2001.
0: 2001. No, I was like 99? 2001. Oh, I'm a child. 2001, right? Uh, in 97, before you oh, were born, yeah. right? there was a band, and you'll know them, a little band called Hanson. Have you ever heard of them? Before?
1: I have heard of them, yes. Beautiful.
0: Boy band, three boys, three brothers, oh, yeah. right? And, okay, they're pop, right? You know, they, they're going to get that whole, just this pretty boy band type of cliches, right? The yeah. girls just love them because they're pretty boys. However... As grown adults, I mean, even then they were great, but as grown adults, as musicians, they are extremely talented, right? Taylor Hanson, wanna, and people give me a lot of shit for liking them as a band, right? Because I'm a boy and I'm like, oh, what? That's like, so silly. And isn't it annoying, right? The fact that like, because they're boys with long hair, they're considered, that's just the type of stigma we have about, you know, guys with long hair or or just, in. it's just frustrating. But anyway, and that's a whole topic for another conversation <laughs> about the, the way that we portray the world and, and, and the way the society sees stuff like that. But regardless, so they had they have so much lyrical power. Mm. Their words penetrate. Their words, um, they put so much energy into what they, they write. And it was one of those things, like everyone, like it, I didn't like them as, when I, in 97 I had never would have, Listen to one of their songs. I mean, mm. "Bop" was one of the only songs they sang. Oh, right? of course, yeah. Yeah, one of their biggest songs, and then there are these other ones. But now, Hanger. as fully grown adults, yeah, I mean, they can play tambourine, guitar, drums. They they are talented musicians. Mm. Um, and if you were if you like Harry Styles stuff like that, I think you would like the stuff that they put together now. And there's a really cool album. I think that one of the favorite ones I've uh, listened to was like "Underneath." Okay. Have a look at it. Oh, I I'll will. write it down and leave it for you. It'll be a good one. Um, and you'll just love it. And then there's an acoustic version, too. Underneath acoustic is, is probably one of the best ones. But yeah, oh, anyone, listen. Check them out. And, okay. and give me as much hate as you want for that, guys, listening. <laughs> but, you know, I think <laughs> when you find someone that's good at something, you just know. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's.
1: Yeah. Just another, I guess, little thing on that. There's this brand new Australian musical called Fangirls. Oh, i never heard and of that. Yeah, it's, um, it's written, and the original one was starred in by Eve Blake. Um, who is incredible. She's this um, young playwright and she, she wrote and starred in this full musical that she wrote. Um, and it's, it's coming back in at Belvoir Street Theatre, actually, so you should go buy tickets. It's amazing. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never felt so seen, <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. It was just hilarious. But it's about this idea that, um, you know, uh, people are allowed to get really emotional over football stars and, like, yeah. sport games. Yeah. And it's fine if there's a, a fight breaks out over a sport game, but as soon as young girls are really emotionally invested in, um, you know, musicians or actors, then it's psychotic. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. they shouldn't it's, – um, it's just a young girl thing and they're so emotional – and it was just a really interesting um, take on it because he had never really thought about it like that. Like yeah, no. emotional um, attachment
2: to celebrities is...
1: But I've always
0: got pending. that about like, I mean, people will die for their football team. Like mm. they'll die for their... So there'll be riots over that. But when you talk about poverty and the world, you know, needing help and, you know, sickness and death and people are like, oh, well, that's somebody else's area to be passionate about. I'm like, but you just started a fight in the middle of a pub about a football team. <laughs> I mean, that's how passionate you are. You will fight somebody else over it. And yet, when we talk about people dying in Africa, people dying in certain countries, you know, these issues that we have around the world, people are like, mm, okay, <laughs> like don't don't be passionate about that stuff. You know, it's weird to be almost right. You're almost an outlier. But if you are passionate about a football team or something like that, then you're you're almost like a hero amongst your other mates. You know, and I always found that strange. I'm like, we'll go buy jerseys, hundred dollar jerseys, and yet we'll barely donate fifty cents to certain causes around the world that could change the world. Isn't that just uh, for me? That's just amazing to think about that. that that's a, that's. How do we get to that point where we would, before the world needs fixing, we would then support entertainment, which is not a bad thing. But it's like there's a lot of like, and same like,
1: it's easier. It's easier ah, than exactly, facing right. the problems. Yeah,
0: and and there's so many. That's uh, a one narrow way of looking at it. But I mean, there's so many levels to that. But for me, I've always been challenged. But I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not hey, I'm no saint. I'm not giving you know 50 of my wage to charity or anything. But I'm. I do what I can when I can, and I and I do support. You know, obviously we 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 do CrossFit, so we support. You know, CrossFit. I've been to three or four games, and I've spent more money than I probably donated to charity in my entire life. But at the same time, it just seems like, yeah, sometimes the world's headed in a really aggressive, random sort of direction, more so than a supportive, empathetic direction, which I think is much better option.
1: It it makes me sad just on an everyday level when I see people who are just so angry mm. and I, I kind of realized I feel sorry for people like that because I realized I, I don't get super angry because I just I see everyone's side I'm too empathetic to be angry and people who aren't just angry all the time can't put themselves in other people's shoes yeah, if that well they say that's that such a so generally sad. say that
0: like hurt people hurt people right People who are hurt Mm. hurt people. So I think that's the best. I always think of that when someone's hurting me, whether it be their words or physically, if they confront me. But those people are, especially if I've done nothing that I can foresee as as worthy of to be attacked, right? Verbally or physically, hurt people are going to hurt people, and we got to figure out what that is. And I think this is a deep conversation (laughs) on podcasts, podcast, very very deep. But I think we've got to figure that as a as a as a world you know not just as australia but as a world and like what is going on and and where are we going with it and and what can solve it could music solve it you know could music be the key to as i said telling the story and sending a message and, and that sort of stuff is, is that a key uh, you know my yeah, go, go.
1: <laughs> mom always said growing up she really wanted me to learn how to read sheet music and to play um an instrument because it's an international language yeah there's international orchestras. They all come together. None of them could communicate, but they can all read and play the exact same That's song all together.
0: The connection, right?
1: Yeah, and it's because it's it's beyond, um, you know, it goes beyond verbal or physical cues. It's just it's um, it's the tru- only truly international language. It's beautiful, and um, it's a good way of putting so it. So may- maybe it's art, you know, and it makes me so upset when people. Um, really discredit mm. artists and musicians and creatives and say, well, that's not... What's your real job? You yeah, know, like, what are you actually doing? What are you going to do with your life?
0: Well, if you look at, like, you know, civilizations as, a, as an evolutionary thing, like, it was really respected. I mean, the artists and the creatives were really highly respected. And at some point, they've just been pushed further and further and further down the the totem pole of, of hierarchy or sort of, yeah. sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I wish it would come back. And I wonder what it would take to, come to bring it so, sort of back.
1: Well, it's interesting because obviously celebrities are held to high claim yeah so you
0: why one form of art and not another yeah yeah
1: so it's it i guess it depends on um you know it it becomes a thing of if you're how popular you are is your worth Mm. so it comes back to that kind of society level of um uh yeah how, how popular you are um shows how Um, important you are to society but that shouldn't be
0: shouldn't be the way no and it's not
1: necessarily even based on talent but it's passion Mm.
0: so many deep things in this (laughs) this podcast (laughs) that was good well this is
1: I enjoy these these (laughs) kind of
0: conversations and now if you were to give us a bunch of books Mm-hmm. a bunch of books because some people like to give me a bunch some people can ba- barely give me one but if you were to give me some sort of books that you're into fiction, nonfiction, inspiration autobiographies biographies okay. whatever it might be where would your where would you go because I love this question because I'm a massive reader I mean I do a lot of audio booking at the moment but um, I love just hands on I love the smell of a book I love the information I love what I can learn from a book mm-hmm. If uh, even a story a book can, can a, a way a book can make me feel
2: yeah
1: well, um, I I need to get back into reading. I think I went through a. Um, I was always a little bit of a, a book nerd as a child, and then I kind of grew out of that as I got too busy. Mm. And I put "busy" in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, not really doing anything. But busy and not reading. Time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's two books that I can definitely recommend that changed changed me a little bit. Um, there's a book called Flowers for Algernon. I don't know if you've heard of that.
0: No, it does ring a bell though. And okay. I but I, don't, I couldn't tell you what it was about, but yeah. it does ring a bell.
1: It's definitely outside of what I, I, I normally really like historical fiction, but this is um, a little bit sci-fi mm. in, in a really realistic setting though. Um, so it's kind of like, what if they could do this? And I don't want to give it away too much, but it's written in the perspective – it's a diary, right? like report entries of this man who has an IQ um, that's really low and he undergoes um, a scientific experiment to increase his IQ, and so as he as you read through the book, his grammar gets better, his spelling gets better. Oh wow! And at a, one point, it's you have to kind of really sit and read it because it's really in, how he's written it is really academic, um, and his story is paralleled by a mouse um, who undergoes the same treatment. So obviously, it's working for the mouse. So they try it on the human, but. As he becomes more intelligent, he grows more and more – well, he he starts to recognise more things around him and his friends that were actually bullying him for so many years, but he just didn't recognise it, and he becomes more and more miserable. And it's so interesting to see how it's all related And because, I mean, they always say ignorance is bliss. The more you recognise about the world, the more you learn. The more you know you don't know, the more you see the problems – you know, even even as you were saying, the more you read about the world, like the more upset you become with all of the problems. Yeah. So um, it's so interesting, and I I've, I've, I'm not going to spoil anything that goes in on the middle, but that was that was a really
0: actually intriguing. I'm going to get that title off you again at some point.
1: Absolutely, flowers for Algernon.
0: I'll write it down when I'm not it's taking up time with the podcast okay. recording. Um, but uh, yeah, any others? That, that sounds yeah. super interesting.
1: Oh, that, that was. And I mean, it...
0: So there were two books. That was one of the that two. That was one of them. Yep.
1: The other one is Tuesdays with Murray.
0: Sounds like a sandwich thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Because um, oh yeah, Murray sandwiches down the road. That's why. <laughs> yeah, so
1: again, <laughs> really left field for me. But it, I believe it's an autobiography um, I don't think it's fictional, but he reconnects with his old professor, his old sci- um, like social science, I believe, professor. And um, as his professor is passing away and dying, and so he's sharing all of this wisdom with him. Um, and you know, there's so many interesting things I picked up about um, life and death and um, the importance of doing what makes you happy every day and not waiting... Not living for something coming up, like living, having mm-hmm. something that you enjo- you enjoy, um, and there were so many beautiful points. I cried so much reading that book because there were so many things I relate, really, and there was um, there was a decline that I really recognized in some of the other people I've watched pass away um, when I was younger as well. So it was just a really beautiful book, and it was recommended to me by my accompanist, my piano accompanist for my HSC, and. She um, let me borrow it, and I wrote this eight-page letter to her afterwards. I was just saying all the things I learned. Thank you so much for recommending this.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, See the power of books.
1: Oh, incredible! There's so much you can contain in a book. Um, but I actually I wanted to recommend two plays as well. Yep. So um, in drama class we had to study some plays, and these two were really interesting for me. Um, one's called Stolen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. This is really bad. I've forgotten the um, playwrights but stolen and the other one is parramatta girls and they're both about the experiences of young indigenous kids and they're both true like based off of true experiences and they're heartbreaking oh they're it's it's real they're really hard to read but they're really important reads i think and um you can really see it it's really hard because parramatta girls um it's a I'll I'll speak a little bit about that one. Um, I'm just trying to get all my thoughts out. (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) Um, It's about the Parramatta Girls Home. That only shut down, I believe, in the 70s. So it's really recent. Mm. But um, the delinquent girls, you know, the hard-to-handle girls. um, And Parramatta Girls is about both Indigenous and non-Indigenous. They were sent to this home and they were abused and Mm. it was just awful, their treatment. And it just made them just make traumatize them it didn't fix them it didn't make them any better in society they were already fine and it was just because they ran away from an abusive household and they got sent there because they couldn't be controlled you know and wow. it's just it, it's really heavy Failure
0: but of the systems again
1: yeah and it's really hard because it's paramatta like it's so close to <laughs> home and it's 25 minutes down the freeway like. yeah exactly and again it only shut down the 70s and it's these old women reconnecting going back to this house and reliving everything through flashbacks of what yeah. happened and that one and Stolen as well. Stolen is about um, obviously some children from the stolen generation and it's also intergenerational. There's um, you know, a mother who was stolen and then her child was stolen as well. And so there's so many experiences in there that are really hard to swallow but I think it's really important for people to read those experiences and to understand, I guess, what happened in Australia and what happened so recently and why... Um, I guess why um, kind of starting to question why and why, why things, this happened why things
0: were done the way they were and, and you know why
1: why we're not taught about it yeah. even because there were so many things yeah. in there I was like how how has this not been spoken about before
0: <laughs> it would almost be I mean I could tell you on one hand how many minutes we would have spent talking about even one of these topics you know mm. like 10 minutes 15 minutes if Absolutely. that I think we, we learnt the bare minimum to tick a box and I don't know that that was enough and I wish that there was more there and, and, and something that now as an adult I can go and, and seek information so that I can form my knowledge and education on this situation to prevent possibly things in the future around us happening because you can be there more aware. Once you learn, you can become aware, but if you don't learn, you can't become aware. Yeah,
1: And, you know, we read Shakespeare every year, yeah. but we don't read the actual modern um, Australian yeah, stories. Exactly. That That's what's happening in our backyard. We actually, drama, um, people really say that drama's a bludge subject. And I mean, it was fun, but we learnt so much. And the plays that we studied, we studied another one, Talking to Terrorists. And that one's about um, how the face of terrorism changed after 9-11 and how suddenly it wasn't terrorism as a a concept, but terrorism as a person, as a race.
2: Exactly. That
1: was fascinating. Yep. And then the other one was Neighbourhood Watch, which was recently... um, at uh new theater in Newtown, they recently put that production on and that was about um some at uh, an old immigrant woman um and this young lady and they both lived on the same street and it's about like suburban isolation mm. we're all so close together but yeah, none of us no, <laughs> no none of us yep. are, what isn't what is a neighbor it's just a person who's there it's not a friend anymore yeah and how isolated she felt because back in hungary she you know, she knew
0: everyone. Yeah. They, um, I've always, I've often said this, right? I, and, and one thing that I've always, I think I've written st- stuff about this in the past, but one thing that frustrates me the most about coffee shops is that everyone goes there, but no one talks to each other. And it's considered a strange thing if you were to strike up a conversation yeah. with someone sitting at a coffee table, drinking their coffee. Yeah. And yet we're all on our devices, scrolling oh. other people's lives and trying to and, and entertain ourselves when the people that are most entertaining are the ones in the same room. And yet we're not, Talking to each other.
1: May I share two stories? Yeah, you can. Because I'm one of those annoying people on public transport who talk to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and as you said, I get the strangers look sometimes. Like, why are you talking people to People think me? you're crazy. Like, is yeah. there something
0: wrong with this lady? Why is she talking mm. to people on the public transport? And I get it. Some people don't want to be bothered. But, I mean, a conversation is polite just to answer a question and then politely diffuse the conversation. Yeah. It's not hard to do. No. So if you don't like it, it's just like, yes, uh, thank you. And then you go back to whatever you want to do. But it is real, it's exactly like that thing you brought up, neighborhood, right? I, I could only tell you of, I've got three neighbors across from me and obviously on the other side that I would see every day and two, obviously one each side of me and one behind me. Mm. And I don't, can't tell anything about them. Really, no. maybe the people to my right, maybe across the road, because he actually is engaging. But the rest,
2: <laughs> he's engaging.
0: Yeah, he always comes over and has a chat about things that oh, are going sweet. on. <laughs> like if we put up Christmas decorations, like, oh, they're really nice. And then we have a chat all the time. But generally speaking, every other place I've lived, I w- couldn't have told you my neighbour's name.
1: No, no.
0: I barely know. I
1: couldn't tell you my neighbour's name. I actually, the neighbor to the right of me, I know because I went to school with their children. Yeah. Other than that. And I don't even talk to them. I, don't w- I wave at them if I see yeah. them. because Give them a friendly nod. Otherwise. See, isn't it
0: strange? I don't it's know. so odd.
1: But on public transport, I must <laughs> say, <laughs> I talk to everyone I can. And um, two nights ago, I was coming home on the train from Katoomba back down to Penrith. And these people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was with my friend who we were dressed up. And he, he dresses in like 1930s suits. Yeah, so well. we did not look like your regulars on the um, Penrith line train. Um, I was wearing a beret and a scarf and this 50s dress. Anyway, um, this couple looked at us and they're like, have you been to a party? And we were like, no, we just dressed like this. And we started talking and these two people, it was their 16th wedding anniversary and they'd gone to a bog and just sat
2: in a bog.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? And they went like scrounging around for like old... Um, Like, and they found this old 1900s bottle and they found, like, this cool cookie container. Oh,
2: wow. And
1: they just, yeah, they just, they were like, after 16 years, this is just what we do for fun now. We just go to bogs. It was fascinating. And then this Scottish man behind them started talking and he was like, oh, I work at Blackheath. And I stayed back a little later. I was going to catch the 2 a.m. train last night, but it got cancelled. So I had to sleep in the restaurant, and then they came in at 7 and put me back to work. So i spent <laughs> awake for 20 hours. I was like, go to sleep, nap on the train.
0: I'll wake you at your station.
1: Yeah, but we just we just started talking, and we were chatting, yeah. and we talked for an hour until we all got off the train it was wonderful it was so interesting i
0: think this is the way life should be but again it's like the separation thing we're like we're so close and we're so you know we we're, we think we're more connected than other and yet we're really not talking to each other no. i think that's sad and very dangerous mm. i mean it's getting worse because of covid19 like you know now that if you even generally breathe in someone's direction yeah. they're getting this, they're getting stressed and i think that fear is just even more um more present than ever but hopefully that stuff dies down and hopefully through i mean i guess every time things in the world have changed it's all been because you know there's a heightened extreme right so yeah. there's a, a, a heightened extreme of either aggression violence or whatnot and then it changes so well, hopefully we're on our way it's just that we're gonna have to live through that at some point which is frustrating uh, rather than just doing it ahead of time and saying hey you know these things that have gone on in the past this is normally what happens how about we skip all that negativity and go straight to the positivity
1: mm. yeah it's hu- i mean i've spoken to my mom about this like we obviously, it's so important to social distance and to wear masks and sure. um, to take those precautions now for every, like to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. But um, the lasting effects of that yeah. are going to be so hard to overcome. And it's easy to
0: just sort of like, um, I and mean obviously, that, the, uh, and I don't think that we shouldn't be doing those things, but at some point, w- how are we ever going to stop it all? You know, no. like it's just a never, it's a, it's a, rolling ball it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as it moves on I think
1: even something as simple I used to be a hugger whenever I met someone I'd hug them but, um, Just shaking now hands.
0: No one wants to do it anymore.
1: No. But even people have started to do it. But I'm kind of like uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing. I'm still doing the elbow thing, and yep. it's not necessarily like because there's people I know that have tested negative and they're yep. like fine, and they go to hug me, and I'm like, I feel awkward now. Especially
0: considering the amount of, I mean, this is the, like the, how many people in uh, you know New South Wales, and how many cases have we had recently. So there should be no fear at the moment because. Whether or not it be one or two, there's very less than that. I think they're all. I don't think we've had any cases in the last 24 hours. So therefore, this fear is unwarranted for the moment, right? That doesn't mean it won't come back. Doesn't mean it won't be there. But there's so much fear that just won't ever leave, mm. and that that worries me a little bit. You know, what type of world is my little girl going to grow up in? Yeah. You know, um, being told that you know you've you've got a social distance, you've got to sanitize, you've got to, which is all normal hygienic things, which is positive. It's the stuff that goes on, the uneducated things, I think, behind that and the negativity behind that that will make the the, the problems for them, I think, long term. So hopefully we can change it. Hopefully, you know, this all, we get a vaccine, you know, people start to find a way around it. Like humans are very resourceful. Um, so I think that we will do that, but hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: Mm. That's interesting what you said about, you know, um, obviously your little girl growing up. I couldn't imagine being a parent mm. these days. I mean, scary almost.
0: <laughs> I feel every time she leaves the house, I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: know why. I was saying even I... Um, I was saying the other night, I couldn't... This is a little bit off topic, but I couldn't imagine having a kid and sending them to school, like n- suddenly not seeing them every day, yeah. not knowing what's going on. Yep. Because um, my, um, my little cousin is going to preschool and he went to a new preschool and he loved it and he hates going to the other one and we were like well what's happening at the other one yeah why, like, why
0: so much of a contrast
1: we get sent photos of him really happy but obviously they're not going to send us photos of the kids hitting him or something yeah. so you just don't know and kids don't have the vocabulary at yep. that point to express okay. their emotion they still feel it they can't tell you what they're feeling
0: 100 percent. i always think that i think i wish there was just a camera and this is weird but a camera yeah. at school that i could watch like she's obviously my child yeah. i could watch just the quin cam right just queen follows cam. her around little helicopter just follows her around i mean with
3: drone technology <laughs> yeah maybe we might be coming. able to do that
0: yeah we might be far off that five to ten years after the, the child the helicopter parent being able to be in their <laughs> element that's really <laughs>
3: funny
1: because my dad when i started going to high school my dad's my dad is um i'm an only child and my parents love me very much. <laughs> and um, so they were always very protective of me. And my dad used to um, tell me that he had a spy at school. <laughs> but it was really weird because yeah. he told me specific things I'd done that day. And I'm like, how do you? That's so... And I think he was just like guessing. Yeah. But um, I was convinced it was this girl I went to primary school <laughs> with. And she really, she caught on because I told her. And she started pretending to like take photos. and But like oh, winking funny. and like... Yeah.
0: Your yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's really funny you say that. Cause that is like, the best. That's what it felt like.
0: Now, one of the other questions i like to ask is, if you were to have dinner with someone um, past or alive, who would they be and why?
1: Oh, or can I do both? You can do both, actually. Okay. Let's do both. I had a little bit of a think about this. Um, and they're a little bit unexpected, I guess. I mean, there's so many people I would love to have dinner with and just talk about. like Life. Yeah, and even, like, there's so, I mean, the media likes to bring up really random questions that you never get the question the answer to. Yeah. I'd love to ask those questions. Yep. But that's just me being a bit nosy. <laughs> um, in terms of someone who has passed, I, in Year 5, did a few months studying Marie Antoinette, right? And I oh. find her fascinating because she was only, I think, 15 when um, she got married and suddenly she's head of a country that hated her because she wasn't um austrian and oh sorry she wasn't french my bad she was austrian wasn't french and so it's like she was under so much pressure and she i mean at that time the french economy was obviously awful and everyone was starving and it's horrible what they were going through um and everyone needed a scapegoat and they all blamed her because she was spending all the money but she was she was a child, and she was thrown into this point where she has all this money. What else would you do? You yeah, d- you know, you, I I want a fancy dress. Okay, yep. I'll get a fancy dress. I can do that.
0: Yeah. Well, the uh, all the friends will hate you. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I don't see them every day. I don't know <laughs> what they're going. She didn't walk through the streets and see the poverty. No one told her. Yeah. Um. So I would love to meet up with her and just be like, what
3: was
0: life like?
1: Yeah. What was what what was it like to be suddenly in this position and to know, because um, I mean, she would have known that she wasn't very liked, um, and just kind of talk about what was going through her head and why. Um, I guess getting her side of her side of history. Yeah. And it's very easy to um, hate people that get into positions of power. And I mean, it's it, but it's it, it's really hard. I mean, it would be it would be really hard for everyone because you can't please everyone. Yeah. And you yep. know, you go in with a purpose, but suddenly. No one else wants to support that anyway, so you can't you can't do the good things. Yeah, All you can exactly do is make a good time. <laughs> yep. So I mean, not supporting anyone that does that because you know it's awful and you know fix our problems. But yeah. um, it's it, it's just I'm I, so, I feel so sorry for everyone that gets into positions where yeah. suddenly. They're in the public eye and they're in charge because you can't you can't put you that at at the, on a person. The
0: entire royal family, like I mean, if you look at the positions that they've been put through and and people that are just arising and now all of a sudden in these positions, and you think, you know, how would I have reacted if uh, that oh, was if that were me?
1: I would have gone feral. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? And
0: you're not allowed to though. And though, know, no. like, I mean, you kept in so much of a line. Like I mean, exactly. you, your life is so affected; it's completely changed. So that would be very interesting to have dinner with. Um, with someone like that, that would be very, very inform- like informative about that and style s- that she you've never been experienced. So
1: lonely as well, because yeah. she she couldn't just go out and make friends. She has to be surrounded by people who want something from her. Yeah, and you can't trust anyone.
0: Oh, um, almost so like a almost like a curse. Like right?
1: Absolutely. And to be so young and to th- anyway, <laughs> so she she would be. Um, I would love to speak with her and alive. Um, this is. <laughs> this is a bit nerdy, but I'm happy with it. Do you know um Lemony Snicket? No. Okay. So that's a pseudonym. He the real author is Daniel Handler, but he wrote the um a series of unfortunate events. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um he that that series, it's still my favourite book series, but it's it I read that as a child and I was like, This is whack. This is insane. <laughs> I love this so much and I've I've never gotten over that feeling. Um, because it was just so different. I mean, obviously he writes the books, and it's um, you know, don't read this book. You shouldn't be reading this book. Like it's so depressing. Don't re- read something else. Yeah. And I'd never, never come across anything that did that before. Yeah. You're
2: like, Whoa. Why?
1: But I'd, he's he's such an enigma. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd love to, um, I guess, talk with him and how his brain works, how he comes up with these ideas, because it's it's a really strange mixture of reality. But also things – I can't even explain. There's just things in there that – like it's like a half sci-fi, but it, it's just such an interesting – it's such an interesting series and it's how he's written it's – a, it's a children's book. It's written in a way for kids to understand, yep. but it's not treating kids like ki- yeah. kids, if that makes sense. Yep. Even he's written um, like 13-page picture books for young children, but teaching them words like despondent. Stuff like that, and it, I just find that so fascinating. And treating, treating kids like people,
0: yeah, is rather something than like this lower form of humanity, yeah, <laughs> like oh yep, they wouldn't understand. It's like well, we have to teach them, but exactly without doing what we're doing, we're not going to teach them.
1: Yeah, so. I find that so. I I love. Um, I was I was in. Um, I was in, out in public yesterday, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell this story. I was out yeah. in public yesterday, and there was this mother. And her kid was, um, like, screaming and she wasn't, she wasn't happy. But her, um, yeah, the mum was just, she sat her down and she was like, use your words. Why, are you like, why are you, use your words? And she expressed that she wanted, um, like, she didn't want to be sitting. She wanted to do something else. And she was like, okay, I understand that. We're going to have to sit here right now, but we'll go do something else later. And then she was, um, she was running away and stuff. So she got put in the pram and she was screaming and she wasn't happy. And um, she, every time she clicked in, um, like, kind of Buckle. the belt, yep. she was screaming and she, she, and she was like, use your words. What's, what's wrong? And she wanted her to undo it so she could click it again. Uh. And every time she clicked it, she screamed because she wanted it unclicked. But after a while, she was like, can you unclick this, please?
2: Oh, and well. she
1: stopped screaming. And it was like, if you treat kids, if you stop ignoring their emotions, yeah. because, peop, ev- you know, kids feel emotions just as strongly as adults they just mm-hmm. don't know how to exp- and i said that earlier they just don't know how to express them. they don't they have the words yet
0: they haven't learned how to regulate the emotion they're experiencing exactly. yet but once they yeah. learn and we teach them how to do that rather than screaming at them yes and telling them to shut up
1: mm. which and is she was getting so many dirty looks because she was letting her child scream and that's not okay you should be you know
0: you should have already smacked them and told yeah. them to get in the car or something right
1: but she taught she she really took the time to teach her kid in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really respected that. And I yep. wanted to say something I didn't because, um, I don't know why I didn't. I should have said something, yeah. but it was just so, it was so nice to watch.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, as a parent, you know, um, the more I try and slow things down and explain the great, obviously I'm tested, right? There's, there's yeah, many, well my, that's the my, other my, thing. my patience is tested every day. Um, And sometimes I got to remind myself that it is not Quinn's, she's not doing this with malicious intent. She's doing this because she has no other way of expressing these emotions that she has not yet learned to regulate. Mm -hmm. And it's my job as her father to teach her what emotion is, what to do with that emotion and where to apply it. But then also get her to communicate these things because you don't want to internalize that. Because if I tell her to shut up all the time every time she's sad, when she's sad as an adult, she will shut up and that's not mm. what we want. We don't want people shutting up as that's an adult.
2: <laughs> that's
1: something that really gets me um, when I see things like my, the the stereotype of the teenager coming home from school. It's, How was your day? Fine. And just not expressing anything. Mm. Oh, what did you do? Mm, nothing much. Mm. And then the parents complaining about it. I'm like, well, that's that's your fault as a parent. Like that's not
0: yeah, – that's gotta, what they've learned to do. you got to probe a little bit. And I, and I always think the way I was – going to raise Quinn has not even come close to what I am doing as a parent so it's very very different And I hope that when Quinn is of that age we have a much better uh, connection and communication sort of bond where we can talk about things and sometimes I'm assuming she just won't want to talk to me about her day and that's okay too (laughs) so I as a parent I gotta understand that but yeah I wasn't gonna do this I wasn't gonna do that I was gonna do this as a parent and all those things have just gone completely backwards and you know we're doing the best we can
1: <laughs> no but well that's the other thing you know you've got to do everyone's a person everyone makes yeah. mistakes everyone's imperfect you got to do what l- you can and
0: unfortunately as parents me being a first time parents, how, how I learn and mm. yeah and she will be an only child as far as I'm concerned at the moment you know that won't change so we're going to have to do the best we can and
1: yeah.
0: put it all together
1: well props to you thanks so much respect to parents everyone listening that's a parent yeah I respect you because the hardest job on the planet <laughs> yeah I believe that I know how I am yeah. <laughs> for my poor parents. Yeah.
0: and I've heard how you and I'm joking. Yeah. Perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when my mum's comes in angry, it's like, she's letting Sally, it
0: out. <laughs> what's wrong? It's only six a.m. she's like, "Divinia." I'm like, "Oh no, she yeah, didn't that. wake up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Divinia, on the People First Podcast. I, it Thanks is, for having me. No, you're welcome, and it is a it is a big thing to put yourself out there in front of the world and and let them listen to you. And I hope that um if people love what they're listening to, they will reach out to you and contact you. And if people did want to listen to uh, more from you and maybe hire you for a gig, Ooh. where would they go?
1: Well, that's a great question. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I have recently put up a website, diviniajean.com, all one word. Um, so on there, you can contact me for a booking. You can also follow my socials on Facebook and Instagram, which is Divinia Jean Music. Um, Or you can listen to... My single that I've released on my doorstep on Spotify or Apple Music or any other streaming service, Divinia Jean on my doorstep.
0: Beautiful. So, So guys, there you have it if you you want to – listen to some of uh, the beautiful music that Vinny has written and performed then you can do it that way and uh, i think right now you're going to sing us a little song Oh, i would love to yeah let's hope that we can record this well if not we'll redo it but uh and <laughs> we'll put it up very professionally at the very end yeah let's give it a go and we'll see how it sounds when you're ready
3: I start with hey or dear? dear. If hey is too casual, is dear too much? Hey oh dear, hey, dear. No one can say that. just not something we can choose. But I've been around the block, I've seen an awful lot, I thought if nothing else I might as well share that with you. I tell you money money, you can't take the money. Life's about the way you love and make do Have the peace to let it all fall through That's what I know of money and men Money and men Don't work too hard, I know that's not what you're told Enjoy what you build now Wait till you get too old Take care of yourself But take care of one another I'm putting you in charge Walk with each other Because of money and men You can't take them with you Life's about the way you love and make do Have the peace to live. What I know of money and men Money and men I'd love to stick around and see who catches your eye Let them be a better, more loving person than I I'd want to be jealous of their kindness to you Don't rush, but don't be scared Try something new because of money and men you can't take them with you Life's about the way you love and make do have the peace to let it all fall through That's what I know of all i've learned of money
0: and men. fantastic work Davinia! that was beautiful well done now guys if you loved that and you enjoyed that performance by Davinia. Make sure you check her out on her social media. Make sure you contact her and uh, everything you need will be all over the social media, I'm assuming, yeah?
1: Absolutely.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Divinia. Anything else you want to contribute and add on to today or?
1: Oh, I think we've pretty much covered everything we can. Yeah,
0: we went, we went deep. <laughs> we yeah, did. It was beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Until next week, please stay safe and I will see you on the next episode. Have a good one. See you, Divinia.
1: See ya. Thank you.